Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. You're in a perky mood this morning, Jojo B. I am. Is that from taking a whole week off? And recharging your batteries. Yeah, I think so. Because last week I was the opposite of this. You were indeed. I was uh, very tired and very ill. Yeah, sick note is your like middle name. Yes, it is. You're like the you're like the I know 2018 Darren Anderton. I know it's been a bad year for my health, unfortunately. <laughs> how is how did we just get away with a Darren Anderton reference on the Native Who's podcast? Darren Anderton? So you just went straight past that without even acknowledging. Yeah, this it. is this is life, though. I usually just ignore what you say. But usually, you know, you pull up some kind of pop culture reference. But Darren Anderton is like a mid-90s... Cricketer? No. Footballer? Yes. Okay. I was yes. like, I know that name. Darren Anderton. Darren Anderton was a footballer back in the 90s. And he was known as Sick Note because he'd take like months and months off during the season for some kind of injury. Um, and so they just used to call him Sick Note. So a bit like it, Michael Owen. A bit like Michael Owen, yeah. Newcastle ruined Michael Owen, so I'll always He ruined him. Newcastle, thank you very, very much. Yeah, it was like a, a mutual wrecking process, I think, yeah. between the two of them. But, um, and, but he joined Man United, so screw Michael Owen, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, all Geordies hate him, so it's great. Yes. That's something that we both have in common. Then. <laughs> Finally, something you and me both have in common, Jojo. Yeah, B. we dislike Michael Owen. Yeah, four Woo-hoo. years into marriage, like, what, what are, you know, our common traits are we love food. Yes. And we love music. Yes. And we both hate Michael Owen. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's three key elements to a successful marriage. Yeah, that's why we're still going strong. <laughs> that's why we're still here, still recording this podcast. But apologies, listeners, for not being able to put out a show last week. Um, yeah, because I always feel, you know, if we miss a show, you know, it's like, you know, it's like missing like a wedding, you know, or missing a, a big massive birthday. I know and I you know I felt really guilty but did you though no I really did but I was really ill so I just thought you're just gonna get a half-assed version of me that really couldn't be bothered to be there to like talk about anything our listeners have got a half-assed Jojo B for the last like three four months so well because you know like as they know health issues have been a have been a a thing they have been a thing um you know and so it has been very difficult for Jojo B to to be on her you know, ranty, moany best. Like I said, we're a married couple. We have busy lives as well. So sometimes we can record, sometimes we can't. But we do endeavour to make sure that we put out a show every single week. And when we can't, it's because of, you know, extremely strenuous circumstances. Exactly. Or we're on holiday. Or we're on holiday, you know. So there's either the extremely positive or the extremely negative. Although, actually, someone said to me yesterday, we should just take your stuff and record on holiday. That'd that, be really that interesting. That actually be a really good idea. I've heard people do would that it? before. Or would I just be like, I'm on holiday? Yeah, that's exactly what you'd be. You know, because <laughs> you know, the thing with me is, I'm you know, I keep this show alive. I'm keeping this show going. Whatever. I'm the one that's you know, I'm the one that's got this on my back and and walking through you know this ocean of. But you craziness. just sound like I mean, we sound smug enough when we come back from holiday. True, true. So like to go on holiday and be like, yeah, we're sitting in the sunshine and it's like paradise, and yeah, you're at home and it's raining and shit. Yeah, like it's just how to get someone's back up, isn't it? Yeah, you could send, sound like a real pretentious git. Exactly. Um, but you know that's not what we're about. So when we do come back from holiday, we do kind of just touch on the the basics uh, and some of the highlights from that trip. 
We did a whole um, show about New Zealand. We did actually. We didn't yeah. really touch on the basics there. We did, we literally did. But amazingly, people actually listened to that show. You know, people didn't switch off after the first like 10, 12 seconds. They actually listened to the show. So maybe there's something there. A little travelogue. Maybe we do like a sub, like a sister show to the Native Immigrants podcast. And we do like traveling around the world and like reviewing and critiquing different parts of it. If we were on holiday like every month, like some people we know, yeah. then that would be fine. Yeah. But we go on holiday twice a year. <laughs> Sometimes well, three times a year. This is what I mean. This is why we need sponsorship. We need to find someone that's going to sponsor us. Come on, go. BA. Give yeah. us some free tickets. Yeah, but knowing us, it'll probably be like Jet 2 or someone that'll sponsor us. Aeroflot. Aeroflot, yeah. <laughs> Pan Am. They're not even around anymore. My very first trip to India was on Pan Am. That's how old I am. Oh, really? Yeah. Bloody Pan Am Airways. Pan Am. They went to America, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't. I didn't go to America until I was like twenty something. Oh, okay. So yeah. you old bastard. Look, I was brought up by parents who had a shop. Mm. Our trips to India were the only holidays that we had. We've <laughs> yeah. covered this subject before. Trips to India or trips to the wholesalers. The cash and carry. Yeah, I used to love going to cash and carry. Okay. That was like I used to sit on the trolley. Eat half the inventory. That's why. Well, to when go. I was really little, the staff used to just kind of take me away into the staff room and just feed me loads of sweets and stuff. Yeah, if you told someone that, yeah, the staff <laughs> took me away and took me into the staff room. Now they'd have to call like child or social services for that reason. My dad thought he'd lost me once. He was like, he couldn't find me anywhere. He oh, was shit. really, really scared. And then someone went, "It's yours, that little chubby girl." And <laughs> dad was like, "Yeah," and he just was in the staff room eating sweets. I remember my brother. Like once got lost in Walt Disney World, Florida. Oh, if you're going to get lost anyway, that's like child heaven, isn't it? Child heaven, parent hell. Yes. Because um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, there's more than 10 to 20 people within a, a mile radius. And so with thousands of people and my brother missing, it was like, what the fuck? And my mum and dad, obviously, like I've, I've said on shows before, they're perennial warriors. And they're, you know, next level warriors. Well, any parent would be freaking out. Yeah, but they freak out when like, you know, if I've gone out for an hour and I haven't called them, you know, at, you know, 7.59, I said I'm back at eight o'clock. They'll be at like, the age of 40. oh no, something's happened to him. He's, <laughs> something's happened. He's been shot or stabbed. <sighs> um, so they're that, that kind of level. So when my brother went missing, it was co- like breakdown from the two of them. You know, and me and my other little brother were sitting there kind of like, mm, you know what I mean? Like, you know. Which one went missing? The middle one? The middle one, yeah. yeah. Um, and then eventually he came back and my dad kind of grabbed him, kind of like, don't ever go missing like that again, in Gujarati, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so there was like a real emotional crisis happening in the middle of like what Disney World, everyone's like, you know, it's a small world after all and everyone's How having a good time. to ruin a day out, eh? Exactly, you know. Um, but then my other little brother went missing and then no one cared. They were like, oh, he'll come back running in a second. <laughs> And we were like, I was like, I was like what, I, you know, where's the consistency that's, here? That's just like his life now, is it? It's just like his life now. We were watching uh, Everybody Loves Raymond the other day. And like, I just thought, wow, you know, the similarities between that family and our family. It's just uncanny. Like, like, you know, the mum and dad, um, you know, are literally like my mum and dad, except like the dad's a bit more, he's not as kind of, uh, you know, aggressive and kind of, uh, you know, my dad's a bit more. He's a bit more quiet. A bit more quiet, but yeah. very solid and reserved. Old school, like he, that, that dad is. Yeah. And obviously the mum, Marie, she's wanting to be the only woman in her son's life, <laughs> um, which is a little bit like my mum, I guess, in that instance. And I guess I'm Ray. Uh, and, and my brother, Ashish, is more like Robert. He's the tall one. 
but who obviously still yeah because he's a giant as well yeah he's a tall man and stuff and he's always kind of like you know trying to be you know sometimes the apple of a mum and dad's eyes and uh you know but they still always dote on their other sons a lot and i'm the crazy put upon neurotic wife of ray yeah absolutely yeah you're like deborah basically so it's like it's crazy that we should have like a reality tv show about our life but it would just be everybody loves raymond the desi edition there's a show there though there is a show if if anyone's out there tv companies tv uh commissioners because obviously we have an overabundance of these kind of people that writers, to our show. Who, writers can, who can write a script. Yeah. yeah, people with money, funders. Um, I think there's a potential potential script there. I think they'd just recast every single role though, so it wouldn't be us. Yeah. That's the only problem. They'd, they'd, they'd have like someone like um, Ray Pantanki playing like my role and something. Leila Ruas playing me. Leila Ruas playing you. It's <laughs> a very like early 2000s. Do you know what I mean? And that, who are the Asian people that we have ever heard of? Yeah, let's the only kick ones them who are on TV. List. Yeah, Adil Ray playing your dad, doesn't he? And no, it would be like you know, like Satish Goshik or someone <laughs> from India, or like you know that guy that some, that Patel. Guy, I can't remember his name, but he's he's been in a few like British productions, but he's an Indian actor as well. The one from Brooklyn. Yes. Oh, him. Yeah, him basically. Okay. No, that's Satish Goshik, isn't it? I don't know. He played Calendar, Calendar in Mister India. I don't know. God's sake, are you such a... You've got no connection to your roots and culture, have you, Jojo B? I do, to my lovely British roots. Oh, my god. And days. my British culture. You, know I mean? you want me deported from the country? I don't... I, I know no. you. You voted Brexit. I know you. I know how much you hate Asians. I didn't vote Brexit. <laughs> yeah, we'll have all these angry listeners and callers. I know. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. She didn't. People, she did not. And even if she did, you know, that's her political views. You know, we're not here to judge. But I didn't. I would divorce her, obviously. But, you know. But anyway, talking about British and the yeah. fact that you are British. Yes, I am. the fact that you are also Asian. Yes, I am. Uh, Great British Bake Off this past week. Which it should be called the Great... The Great... The Great? <laughs> the Great British Break break Off. <laughs> the Great British Asian Break Off. Yes. That's what it should be this year. What is it though, Jojo B? Because we spoke highly about the fact that there was three of them. Now that three has become two. The ethnic colour started. It has indeed. Um, unfortunately, we lost Anthony. Anthony from Bangalore. Uh, and I, actually, I felt a bit bad for him because he was actually one of the better bakers the last couple of weeks. But it all depends on what happens that week. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit like that. Your, your previous stuff doesn't matter until right towards the end. That's a shame because I remember that Liam from, I think it was last year, the year before, he was an amazing baker and he had one bad week and they voted him straight off. Ethnic cull. You know, ethnic cull. And they've done the same thing again to our friend Anthony. But Liam has had a crazy successful career. He has indeed. Because now he's a presenter. He's finished his degree. Yes. And then he became a TV presenter. Well, there you go. That's, that's the, you know, the, the transition, basically, for a lot of these guys, uh, yeah. you know, which would be also like Nadia, obviously, who's doing the same thing herself. Yeah. You know, so, so the ethics do better afterwards. So Anthony could still have a show of his own, you know. He could. He could uh, take over from Cooking with Bunkage <laughs> that we like to watch um, sometimes on, like, on Colours, I, I think. I love the Indian Channel cookery programs. Yeah. They are bloody hilarious. Because the one standout recipe that we both always remember <laughs> from cooking with Bunkage was mushroom salad. Mushroom salad. Which was basically some chopped up fried mushrooms. Yeah, sautéed. Yeah. In a lettuce leaf. Yeah. That's literally all it was. And that took up, and it was like, this was a half an hour show, 
And that was the first half of the show was her cooking this mushroom yeah. salad. It took her 15 minutes. You know, she had the gumption. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. To, to, uh, to, to pass this off as, yeah, a, as a cookery. To tell the housewives of India and the, you know, the lovely house husbands of India as well. Yeah. Equal rights and all that. Um, she managed to get away with it. God knows how. But going back to Bake Off, uh, another thing that quite pissed me off this week, and I ranted about it on social media. I know you hate me doing this, Jojo B, but I had to get this off my chest. What did you say now? Non bread. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so basically on this week's uh, Bake Off, or last week's Bake Off, they had a segment where everyone was making naan yeah. uh, as part of Bread Week. Yeah, I love naan. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good naan? What's your favourite naan? Well, because I'm gluten-free now, like I'm kind of restricted, but what I really miss is Bishwari naan. Oh, okay. That's the one with the raisins and stuff in Fruit it, right? and nut in it. Yeah, no. it's, it's all right with like curries and stuff, but you know what you do is you have it with some butter on it and you have it with a cup of tea. It's really nice. Oh, okay. Or you dip it in the tea. No, you don't dip it in the tea, but you just bite it like a tea cake. Oh, so okay. kind of like that. It's very right. delicious. Yeah, mine's uh, mine's garlic and coriander. I think you know. I like a little bit of. Yeah, that's you know, nice. You know, but the, again, sometimes you know, having it with curry, it kind of gets mixed in with the flavor of the curry sometimes, and so sometimes just a normal plain mm. naan dripping with butter. You nom, know, nom, 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 nom. I, I had once. I once had a bullet naan. Have you had a bullet naan before? Never even heard of it. That's the one where they put you know the bullet chilies in there. Uh, oh my god you know having a bullet naan will give you a bullet gun <laughs> you know because it is a uh, next level heat that you will suffer for later on that night or early the next day and for those who don't understand it means that don't it, look it up it will make your bum bum hurt indeed <laughs> yes yes you will have a fiery ring <laughs> um but um but yeah going back to naan uh, they kept referring to this on this show as naan bread even the indians did it Yes, as well. Well, um, one of the Indians. Um, to put some context to this, naan means bread. So really, yeah. they're saying bread, bread. Yeah, well, naan is a type of bread. It's like saying baguette bread. Yeah. You don't say baguette bread. You don't. You just say baguette. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's, you know, the fact that they kept saying bread, bread. Yeah. You know, throughout the show. And it, and it also like harks back to chai tea as well. Which is a load of nonsense because chai means tea. Chai means tea. So it's basically tea, tea. Tea, tea. Tea, tea. Can I have some tea, tea, please? Can you pass me some tea, teas? <laughs> um, you know, as in that, you know, come on. Surely now we've, we've established ourselves in long enough in the UK, especially the curry houses and the restaurants where curry is pretty much now one of the national dishes of the country. Yeah. Uh, and naan is a staple of that. Why are people still calling it naan bread? Naan bread. But yeah, even Anthony... The one who went, so maybe he deserved to go. Yeah. Because he was shame on all Asians. Exactly. He kept saying, referring to it as non bread. Non bread, yeah. Non bread himself, yeah. But Rahu was was once again um, the top cook. Star baker. Star baker, top cook, I was going to say. He was a top cook, <laughs> uh, the star baker. He just looks so scared all the time. I yeah. love him. Very timid. He wouldn't boo to a goose, basically. He is so lovely. But, um, but he's been getting a lot of uh, support and a lot of, uh, you know, appraisal on twitter and social media a lot of appraisal a lot of appraisal a lot of praise a lot of praise yeah a lot that's of praise, the one a lot of appraisal fuck's sake non-bread non-bread <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> this, you know we're, we're recording the podcast earlier than we normally do and i think it's taken its toll on poor me um but yeah great british bake-off there's still two people left and so you know still two people left there's still a whole load of people left oh, yeah, two asians left for <laughs> yes. us to support we support everyone on the show. It's all about the best, you know, chef, the best cook. 
But you know, there's only one that I really dislike. I won't say who, right? But I really dislike him. Mm. Oh, it's a him, is it? It's a him. Look at this. I've narrowed it down a bit. You're a feminist. That's why JJ Bean. You hate all men. No, I just find him so smug and irritating. And he thought he was going to get Star Baker this week. You're just giving it away then to people. Well, I know, but I'm not going to say his name because I can't remember it. But (laughs) (laughs) he thought he was going to get it and he didn't. And I was like, ha ha, in your face. Yeah. But you know he'll probably end up winning it anyway. No, please no. Don't let it happen. Yeah. Uh, Well, we can't, we can't, there's no voting, unfortunately, for it. So we'll just have to hope and pray that's our favorite bakers end up getting through to the final and end up winning it. I like Ruby, by the way. We talked about the boys. Ruby's really good. Ruby is very, very good. Yeah. Yes. She you know. always pulls it out of the bag. She has like, she does really shit for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she just pulls it out of the bag right and the smashes it. Yeah. And well done, Ruby. Big up, Ruby. You know, so like I said, we still got a contingent still there in British Bake Off. So. <laughs> I just remember she tried to put a good red line bread. Yeah. Did really work. That dude. <laughs> Didn't really work. But, you know, good attempt. No, you know, it's nice of her to try to include some of her, you know, you know, ethnic uh, flavouring. Yeah, I've never seen Gudrilla in there before. I but lo- some things work and some things don't. No, Gudrilla by itself. Mm. Or oh, the ice fan. cream. Mm. Not a massive fan. No, you don't like it, but I do. I love it. Each to their own. Yeah. Uh, but talking about uh, cookery and chefs and baking, etc. Uh-huh. Um, chef's table this year. Yeah. Talk to us about this, Jojo B. So Chef's Table is a program on Netflix, which I have a slight obsession with. I haven't watched every single episode, but I pick out my favorite episodes because each episode is about a different chef. Right. Um, And they focus on some of the world's greatest chefs. Mm? There's never been a British chef on there. Really? No. Until they announced the lineup for season six. Oh, okay. And they have got the amazing Asma Khan. No way. If you don't know who Asma Khan is... She is a chef and a restaurateur, mm-hmm. and she owns Darjeeling Express. Big up. Which we've been to twice. We have indeed. And it's delicious. The food there is delicious. Awesome food. Really, really good food. She has these things called uh, Bihari Fulkas. Right. And they're like little pakore. Oh, yeah, they're I remember those. little cushions of heaven. They are absolutely awesome. They are so delicious. You know, every time we go, it's some real authentic home style Indian cooking yeah look it tastes like your mum made it yeah and which is a bit bad because you do think well you can actually get it at home so why are you going you know to a restaurant to eat it because it's really delicious because it's really delicious yeah. and you know why it tastes like your mum made it so the whole premise of this restaurant mm. is that it has an all-female kitchen staff awesome and so it's a bunch of auntie G's yes who are in the kitchen cooking up a storm yeah and a lot of them were home cooks like they've not professionally trained or anything like that they're just really good cooks yeah and they make amazing food the food there is so good and it it tastes so like comforting and yeah like home food um and she is gonna be um on the series that's the first british chef that is a massive massive look and not just that because they could have easily gone if they were going to go for one of the the indian chefs based in the uk they could have gone for like an atul kocha or a cyrus toriwala or something like that Um, Or just any one of the many, many chefs that we have here who are like multi-Michelin starred and stuff. Exactly. Um, But they went with Asma Khan because, you know what, she's doing something truly great by kind of promoting women in the kitchen, which Mm -hmm. there's still not enough of. No, absolutely not, no. Um, uh, To be honest, like you look at all these chef shows, MasterChef and, you know, they're all mostly men, great British menu most of them are male chefs. Yeah, professional kitchens is a very, are very kind of male dominated, mm. um, and it can be quite cutthroat. Yes. Um, and 
she's gone against that. Yeah. And it started as a supper club. So she had a bunch of ladies that she knew and they used to kind of do a supper club. Yes. It grew in popularity um, after they kind of had like a residency in a pub. Yes. And then she opened her restaurant in Carnaby Street. Right. And you should definitely check it out if you're ever in the area in Carnaby Street. Darjeeling Express is one of the best little Indian restaurants there. And it's really authentic, really authentic cooking, just like your mum would make at home, you know. And we've been there a few times, love the food, um, great service, great restaurant. We just can't praise it enough, to be honest. Exactly. So um, when the next series arrives on Netflix, check it out. Sometimes it takes a crazy genius mind to come up with the stuff that yes. we enjoy eating. Exactly. You know, and we're a couple of crazy geniuses ourselves, giving you this show. <laughs> Um, uh, also something to look out for, um, hopefully coming soon is a play called Beyond Shame, um, which is actually founded by Jasvinda Sangira, who was also the founder of Karma Nirvana. Okay. Uh, recently this was on at the Derby Theatre, um, over the first week of September. Big up Derby. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Um, but it's written by Kareem Khan and it was directed by Gitika Batu. And it was inspired by the experiences of real survivors confronting the reality of forced marriages and honour-based abuse still happening today in the UK. Beyond Shame premiered at the Derby Theatre before it would tour schools and community centres to break down barriers and raise greater awareness to support all victims. Um, so we didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to go see the play because it was in Derby and we were obviously here in London. Um, but it, it said it's going to potentially be touring, yeah. um, you know, a few places. So hopefully it tours a few more theatres as well. Um, but, you know, Jasmine Sangera founded Carmen Nirvana, I think, back in 1992. It's been going on for almost over 25 years now. Done so much to support victims of forced marriages and domestic abuse within our communities. We've mentioned it a few times on previous shows. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be a, a great play to go check out, um, you know, and raise a bit more awareness of something that still, unfortunately, is quite taboo within our communities. Yeah, check it out online and see if it's coming to a community centre near you. Yeah. Um, it's great that it's not just going to be at the big theatres. It's actually trying to get people in at a grassroots level to try and watch it and try and include kids as well so they have an understanding of what, you know, what this means, what honour-based crime is. Yeah. And um, they can kind of be aware of it to see if they're going through it or their friends are going through it. Or even their parents are going through it. Yeah. And, you know, domestic abuse and they're aware of it at such an early age. Yeah. And it affects them and traumatizes them going forward for the rest of their lives sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm glad they're tackling it at a grassroots level. And again, people can't always afford to go to big theater productions, yeah, etc. Exactly. You know, so this makes it a lot more inclusive. And um, I think it's a, a hopefully a great play uh, and something definitely worth checking out you know, in the future. Um, and lastly, the last thing we'll touch on, Jojo B, is, uh, was actually something that we spoke about in a few shows ago. Episode 14 on the Asian Attitudes was the LGBTQ plus community. Uh-huh. And we mentioned on there um, India and Section 377. Yes, we and did. And recently there's been a change in the ruling Yes, there has. Um, just for a bit of context, mm-hmm. Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code uh, was introduced in 1861 during the British rule of India. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was modelled on the Buggery Act of 1533. Mm-hmm. It was used to criminalise sexual activities that were, in inverted commas, against the order of nature. Oh, fuck's sake. So now this rule has been in place for a very, very long time, up until yeah. very recently. Um, 
on 6th of September this year, the Supreme Court of India decided that the application of 377 to consensual homosexual sex between adults was unconstitutional. Mm. So it had been overturned in 2009 originally by the Delhi yeah, High Court. Um, and there was a lot of hoo-ha around it then, a lot of kind of, you know, joy that this is finally going to be yeah. put to Exonerated, a stop. Yeah. But then that was overturned by the Supreme Court of India. Who said it was a parliamentary issue rather than a judiciary issue. Right, right. Um, they were then kind of persuaded in January of this year to go back and revisit that case. Yeah. They decided to overturn it yeah. for homosexual sex. Yes. It remains in force relating to sex with minors, non-consensual sexual acts mm -hmm. and bestiality. Yeah, well, yeah. I was about yeah. to say. Yeah. But, you know, if you are gay... You can go out and have consensual, lovely sex. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Finally, basically, you know, it's a it's a step in the right direction and a huge victory for that community in India. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's like I said, it's it was a an archaic uh, law in the first place, and you know the fact it's taken this long for it to finally be eradicated. Um, is a huge step in the right direction, but also it should have been done many many years ago. Um, it, and it would have avoided a lot of issues and problems that that community has been facing in India for such a long time. And if you read a lot of stuff that we have like on Twitter recently about that change, uh, a lot of people are saying, actually, we're just decolonializing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. You know, yeah. that it was absolutely fine to do before that. There were no kind of laws like that in place before yeah. the British came along and imposed their values yeah. onto Indian society mm. and said that this was apparently unnatural. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, you know, but the temple carvings around the days of the Kama Sutra would be very adverse to that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, it's hopefully now that will have an influence on some of the attitudes in this country within the Asian community. Yes. I mean, it's probably more specifically within the Indian community that actually that this isn't something that we really need to look down on anymore that it's not wrong yeah because we spoke on episode 14 um the show about the asian attitudes towards the lgbtq plus community that um the problems that i guess our older generation still have with um you know people are gay is that notion that they had before they first came over to the uk mm -hmm. where that law was still enforced and so that mindset hasn't really changed whereas you know like now we've had such you know advances we'd have thought with society and ways of thinking and beliefs that they would you know get out of that mindset and unfortunately that's still there hopefully now with you know that ruling section 377 completely gone and hopefully now it'll take a long time before you know, it filters through the rest of society and it yeah, becomes absolutely. a lot more, you know, accepted throughout all of society in India. But, you know, if we can apply that logic to people here, specifically our older generation, yeah. you know, then that will be a step in the right direction as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been on social media when this thing happened and, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, oh, this is happening for that community, but what about issues faced against women and, you know, the oppression of women? And they're all absolutely right with the things they're saying because These it are, is... Yeah, they're all valid issues. Absolutely valid issues. But we can't discredit what this ruling means, you know, and because it does affect men and women. You know, this is this is not a specific male-affected law. Well, know? the law, I guess, because it was part of the, the kind of original buggery act, yeah. would actually have been, like, to 
it would have applied more to men because it's about penetration. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, but it it kind of filtered through to women in terms of lesbians. Not they were just looked down on. They yeah. you know they were not accepted as well. So this is it is a win for the whole community in yeah. India. Yeah. And hopefully the attitudes will change. But it's taken forty years in this country for it to change. Exactly. And I'm sure that it will change over there, but very slowly over time. In the same way that women still face lots of discrimination here, mm. there's lots of acts in place to make that more difficult to happen. Yeah. But it still happens. It, still, it does still happen. And it probably still will continue to happen in India, unfortunately. Um, but if we can at least, it's baby steps. And it's a step can, in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, so hopefully that resonates here as well. And, you know, we can finally change some old thought processes and old beliefs into a more progressive society. Right, well, that's the first half of this week's Native Immigrants podcast. Um, we'll catch you on the other side when we'll be talking about our trip to the London Podcast Festival and the Asia House Literary Festival. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And on this week, we're going to go slightly differently to what we normally do on our shows, where we touch on a big topic of agenda. It's uh, not a thing. Topic of agenda is not a thing. It is a thing. Our people know it's a thing. Our listeners know it's a thing. Can we, a topic on the agenda. What's, what's wrong with topic of agenda then? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> to you, maybe not. You know, to me and my family, the native immigrants' family, we know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Carry on. You're not part of our circle. Um, right. So we're going to be talking about a couple of the events that we've been to this past week. Yeah, we've actually finally been, like, leaving our lovely little flat. Exactly. Jojo B has been uh, conserving all her 5% of energy left in her system. Yes. To go out and venture out to some really good cultural events. Yeah, which has been lovely. We've been very cultural. I feel like my mind has been, you know... Has expanded. Expanded. Yeah, I was going to say exploded. You might have... <laughs> Do you guys say that? In Gujarati, we say... Which means that my head has exploded. And we say that, like, you know, if, if something's like... If someone's getting on your nerves, or even if you're excited about something, maru matu chene to party you, which okay. means like my head, not even exploded, burst like like your mind's blown basically. Yeah, but the way it's said, party you means like torn, yeah, burst, exploded. I don't know. There probably is a Punjabi version of it that mm. I haven't. We don't really use that much. Right, you guys aren't very flustered then when these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> my mom will say on a regular basis to me, "Tu mera sir khai jandiya." Yes. Which means you are eating my head. Eating my head. Yeah. We also say, um, <laughs> yeah, I've never got that one. We also say, Maru loi pigyo, which means he drank my blood. Like a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maru loi pigyo. You know, yeah, when I'm, someone's getting on your nerves, he's just drinking my blood. I don't think there is. I mean, I know how to say it in Punjabi, but I don't think that's a phrase that we use. No. I could be wrong. Maybe times are different when, the, when, I, when these languages were first, uh, you know, originated and created. Um, back then, you know, to get on someone's nerves, I would just, you know, open you up and drink your blood. Um, when I was little and I didn't want to eat food, talking about random phrases. Yeah. 
I didn't want to eat any food. I was really fussy when I was younger. You wouldn't know it now because I eat everything now. But back then, I was like, no, I don't want to eat that. That's horrible. Uh, vegetables. Uh. My dad would be like, so I can't eat it. Which means, would you like to eat some ashes? <laughs> 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 and when I was really little, obviously, like the first time I'd heard this, apparently, I don't remember this, I said, yes. <laughs> Because <laughs> right. I just thought that was an alternative food. Yeah, anything but the former. <laughs> um, yeah, we had the similar thing as well where it would be like, mm. you know, like, roti kariche, kemar kariche. <laughs> yes. So, would you like to eat your chapatis <laughs> or would you like to eat a slap? <laughs> you know, I think Indians just have a fascination <laughs> with food in general. Wait, listen, if you're going to hit someone, yeah, like, you, that's what you say, mar karniya. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but that's that's eating. Yes, we eat a beating. Eat a beating. Would you like to munch on this punch? <laughs> we are Slap. obsessed with food, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, everything is based around eating, whether it's drinking blood <laughs> or eating slaps. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, so this past week. Oh yeah, we had, we had, we, we had a topic of yeah, agenda. Yeah, yeah, we did have a topic of agenda <laughs> to to touch on. Yeah. So we popped down. To the Asia House Festival of Asian Literature, which I didn't even know about because I don't read. Yeah, but you, you should know books. better. I know. Jimmy. The thing is, I used to know these things. And then I got married and got out of touch with London life. But it'd been going on for 12 years. I know. I know. So this is pathetic, JJB. I usually count on you to tell me about these things. But it was me that told you about this. Well, yeah. actually, it was my brother Ashish who told us about it. He was like, uh, so this is festival of Asian literature happening. Do you guys know about it? I was like, mm. And he was like, one of your friends is actually going to be on the first week. I was like, is he? I was like, <laughs> so you know, we should be, you know, we should be a little bit more woke, is what we're. We should be. You know, we should. I mean, I think we used to be better at it. We've just been, we you know, a bit, a bit, a little bit, a bit of it. Yes, been a bit, been a bit, been. <laughs> What's wrong with me today? We have been a little bit preoccupied with me not being very well. Exactly. And so, me having to deal with the consequences of that. Yes, because um, I like to moan and whinge. Yes. But yeah, so finally that, we're back on track. We are back on track and we did go to this amazing festival. Um, and it's the first and only literary festival in the UK dedicated to writing about Asia. Uh, the festival focuses on the newest and best books about Asia or Asians in an annual series of talks and discussions. Featured are fiction and non-fiction written by Asians or non-Asians, covering a broad selection of Asian countries from the Persian Gulf in the West to Indonesia in the East. Asia's a big place. It is fairly substantial. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we went to uh, a nice little evening, which was uh, our friend Nikesh Shukla in conversation with Nish Kumar, the comedian, who you may have seen on the MASH Report and um, loads of comedy stand-up nights. Yes. And... It was a, a great evening of Nikesh uh, discussing his last book, The One Who Wrote Destiny. Um, and the evening touched on race and identity in the UK, um, which was a lot of the context of the actual book itself. Yeah. What did you find about that evening itself, Jojo B? Firstly, it was really nice to be in a room full of people who love books. Yes. I'm really interested in hearing about literature in general. Yeah. Um, secondly... I thought they delved into the themes because the themes of the, the of the book became kind of like discussions around bigger issues within this country. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting, that kind of um, 
battle that I suppose a lot of us have with being British and being Asian mm. and how actually um, our experiences at, are different at each generation of that as well. So we've got the first generation that came over and yes. that's their experiences and, you know, the the battles that they fought and there really were day-to-day battles that they had to fight. Yeah. Then there's us lot who've kind of been the, you know, the, the fruit of that labor. Of, of that labor, yeah. And then, then now there's a newer generation, a younger generation, and actually what their connection is yeah. to to that first generation that came over. Yes. And it, it was really interesting. I thought that kind of intergenerational stuff was really interesting. And that, yeah. That, that really was something that I hadn't really thought of. No, absolutely not. You know, I've said before that our generation is almost like the transition generation between the two because we're still, you know, drawn to being very Asian um, as well as being very British, mm-hmm. you know, whereas the next generation, um, there's a lot of kids, a lot of youth who are a lot more drawn to their British culture. Yeah, they're less conflicted than we are. Yeah, you know, because we we were caught between two very different cultures, you know, very different aspects of different yeah. communities. Yeah. And, you know, it's always been a bit of a struggle, I feel, sometimes. I think the older I've got, it's, I would have thought it got a little bit easier. But because of what's happening right now in society and life, it's it's making me still having to be you know this tug of war between my two cultures yeah and you know and it's and it's great that obviously people in our generation obviously think the same and feel the same and you know like people like Nikesh and the the books that he's put out ones like Coconut Unlimited yeah um, and this and obviously the Good Immigrant yeah um really delves really deeply on you know the the real the conflict between those two cultures yeah. being part of those two cultures or identity issues which you know lots of people say i'm not conflicted about anything but we are every day it's kind of balancing who we are in the wider world versus who we are at home yeah all the workplace and And, places like that you know and our kind of yeah and our level of authenticity to who we really are Mm. and you know the different faces that we put on yeah yeah having to be a different person and adapting to a, a different context and being very British in one conversation, being very Asian in another conversation. Yeah. And I, never the twain shall meet. And they spoke because both of them are very well spoken. They don't have that kind of, you know, what's, Say what's, it. The, what's the right way to put Say this? It. No, what's the right way to put this? But that kind of like uh, slangy <laughs> Asian. Sound like a blood? <laughs> yeah, like that kind of Asian British accent that I don't have. Yeah. You know, they don't have it either. Um, and you don't have it most of the time. I kind of like, I, I do, it, that's the thing, you know, okay, we're talking about conflicting and we're talking about the whole British and the Asian because I know like the person I was growing up to the person I am today. Yeah. But there's still always elements of that throughout my persona, my character. So I will have a conversation with someone from, you know, that area and speak to them in a certain way that I wouldn't do with, you know, someone from my workplace or, yeah. you know, and, and it's it's multiple personalities in a way. Well, that's but, what I, I guess it's the same with my Geordiness. Like people are like, oh, you don't sound Geordie. And I probably don't day to day down here. Yeah. But I go home and it comes back. Or I speak to my friends on the phone or my family. Yeah. And it comes back. Yeah. Because Without you realising it yeah, as well. That, that's my identity and that's the accent that I grew up with. So it's not very... Uh, it's not Asian at all. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a really, um, it's a really very northern accent. But I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, it just it happens naturally without you even realizing it. And you know, there's been so many times where you know someone I've been with would hear me speak like that, and it'd be like, 
me. Where, where did that come from? You yeah. know, because they've only known you from one specific way. And then you, you see from someone from back home in Southall from 20 years ago, I haven't seen for ages. And all of a sudden you find yourself just chatting like someone from Southall. Yeah. It's, just, it's a natural thing. But again, you know, the conflicting nature between those two communities. Yes. And that's a lot of the things that were touched on, you know, in this conversation with, with Nish Kumar. Yeah. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I, that struck me, which um, a very different experience to say to my parents was, a, was when he was speaking about his dad being set upon by a group of National Front guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the real, you know, a traumatic experience that he faced, you know, during that period, you know, thankfully touch wood you know my parents never really um went through something as brutal as that but they did get called names on the streets and things like that during that time i think everyone's uh, parents did especially growing up in and around these areas of london um but it was um it was yeah it really like you, you felt you really felt it as if it was like your own parent you know or someone that you know well, my, yeah, my dad was set on. I, he, though he has lots of stories about being chased really? through streets and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like he doesn't talk about it very often, but he, there are those stories yeah. that happened. You know, like a lot of our parents and our dads, especially if, if they were the first ones to come over. Yeah, they were the ones that dealt with it and had to face it. Um, really, it was really brutal. But what what was really interesting, what he said about that conversation was that then he informed his dad's view of what racism was. Yeah. And so when, you know, Nikesh himself and uh, the character within the book as well, the younger character in the book, is if they come home, complain about something that's happened to them, like someone called me this, mm. or this happened to me, or I think someone's been like this with me because of my colour, whatever. So I'd be like, it's not racism. What yeah, are you on about? Stop absolutely. complaining. Like, stop stop being so soft, basically. Yeah. Like a real racist attack is when you get your head kicked in by mul- by a multiple gang of you know, skinheads. Yeah. So it was kind of like... Putting in context. Yeah, like what you're going through is really not that bad. So mm, yeah. get a grip. Well, <laughs> it's you... really interesting to hear that. Yeah, but I guess for that older generation, th- that period of their lives, and that time of their lives and the traumatic experiences of their lives, I think they've almost closed the book on it and left it in the past and don't dwell on it too much because... I remember hearing some of the stories of the guys from the Southall riots, the Young Rebels movement, Mm. you know, and they were talking about that time period of their lives. And a lot of them haven't really talked about it or addressed it until now when these documentaries and these the factual information that's coming out right now about what happened back then. They're finally talking about what happened. But otherwise they were like, no, we wanted to now, you know, raise families, raise our kids. And that part of our life and that time of our life, those traumatic experiences We've left it in the past and we want to move forward. That's because it was traumatic. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a fun time. I'm sure being young, you had some fun, but those specific incidents that they were involved with and those things that they had to deal with were really hard and difficult. And you don't yeah. want to think about the hard times. You want to just be able to focus on positive stuff. Yeah. You want to move away from all of that kind of negativity that you've had to live within. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same for yeah, our parents' generation. It's just that actually things are so much better. Like they had it at the very, very worst. And yeah. things are so much better now. Actually, what are you lot complaining about? Yeah, absolutely. But it's a different, like I've said before in some of our previous um, shows that it's a different type of battle that we face now. Yeah. It's a day-to-day at work kind of undercover discrimination. And you're like, is it all in my head? Mm. Or is this really happening? Yeah. And so then, yes, it is a slightly softer fight. You yeah. know, it's not a physical fight, but it's still a battle that we have to face. And I think that's the difference between the generations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one who wrote Destiny is available now in all uh, major outlets and online stores. So make sure you go support and check out that book. Read it, buy it, read it, love it, 
yeah, support it. Talk you know? to us about it. Talk to us about it. Because, you know, this festival itself was highlighting um, Asian authors and Asian literature. And we do need to push and promote these authors into, you know, to hear their stories, to hear, you know, their interpretation of events and, you know, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Yeah, and don't just necessarily go for the South Asian obvious ones or the ones that you recognise or familiar with. Go and expand your mind about the rest of Asia and the other stories that are out there, whether that's, you know, from Persia or if that's from Japan. Go and, and, you know, find out more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Because the festival itself is going on till November. Yeah. And there's a lot of events still happening. And like you said, it does cover the whole of Asia. Uh Um, So there's a lot of events uh, specializing on Far Eastern literature, you know, as well as our own in the South Asian subcontinent. Yeah. So there's some really good events to check out. um, Sounds really interesting. Yep. Yeah, I so might have to get myself down to a couple more, I think. Yes, I think we will. Now that we've made ourselves socially relevant. Yeah. And I'll have to try and encourage you to read. One step at a time, mate. <laughs> um, but during the night, um, after the events, we actually got a chance to jam with a few people we hadn't seen for a long time. Uh, yeah. Orifice Volgatron of the Foreign Beggars. Yes. Who is, for me, the best rapper of Asian origin in the UK. And a lovely man. Really lovely guy. Got chatting to him. Hadn't seen him for a long time. So we were catching up there as well. Um, we also spoke to Reggie Sharma, who has worked at uh, BBC for a number of years previously. I've known Reggie since I was 19. Fucking hell. A long, a long, long time. time. When I used to listen to Bobby and Nihal's show and it was on three till five in the morning. Jeez. Yeah, I didn't stay up. I just used to listen back to it, but we always used to interact and be on the, the message, message board. Message board crew. <laughs> yep. That's taking I was it back. The, I'm part of the infamous message board crew. What was your name on the message board? Jotthe underscore B. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wasn't Jojo. No, I only went to Jojo because Jotty underscore B was taken on um, oh, Twitter. Sake. But you know what? It's, it's enabled you to have this unique name that only you go by now. Yeah, this is true. You know? Very so, true. So thank you, Jyoti underscore B. Jyoti. Jyoti. Jyoti underscore B. Jyoti. People used to come in our shop, they couldn't say Jyoti. They used to call me Jody. Jody. Yes, I know. Or Jotty. Jotty. Jotty's okay. <laughs> yeah, we were having a bit of a laugh and joke and uh, Reggie was talking to us about, um, we were talking about legendary British Asian traits amongst each other. Yes. And uh, Reggie was talking about her aunt who um, uses the acronym RIP for really important people. Rita <laughs> um, Masi. Yes, Rita Masi, <laughs> Reggie's aunt, uh, calls uh, really important people RIPs. Yeah. Oh, that's what she thinks it stands for. Oh, bless. So, uh, yeah, next time you're at an event and, you know, Raju's Masi Rita is there, you know, and she as she says R.I.P. to all these people, you know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's brilliant. It is crazy. Uh, so big up Rita Masi. Um, and one of the quotes of the night was actually from Orifice Volgatron himself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because we were talking about the fact that I'm 40 now. I'm an old man. Um, and his line was, "Well, 30 is the new 10." <laughs> And like, I want this written on my epitaph because um, <laughs> never a truer word has been said. Uh, 30 did indeed feel like the new 10. And um, if that's the case, I'm a sprightly 20 year old. Didn't uh, Rita Masi, Reggie's infamous Rita Masi, yeah. also say to her that uh, 20 is the new 40? Yes, <laughs> I think she did. It. We need to get Rita Masi on this show. We need to get her on here brilliant. and interview her and just be like, where do you come up with these amazing <laughs> quips? <laughs> because uh, you're literally changing the face of our community through them. Um, 
Yeah, big up Rita Masi. We also got a chance to meet Gautam Mulkani. Yes, we did. The author of London Stani. Yes. He's got a new book out. Yes, it's called Distortion. And uh, we did speak to him about the fact that is this a follow-up to London Stani? But he was like, no, this is a standalone book and it's actually a lot darker than London Stani. Okay. So um, check that out. I read London Stani. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So I'd like to check out some new books. Yeah. Yes. Um, and of course, we're here to support, you know, British Asian authors and people within the literary world. Absolutely. And so please do support Distortion. I think it's out right now. Yeah. It's all in all major outlets and bookshops. Yes. Go to your local bookshop. Yeah, support the local places. If there's any still left in your areas, because I hardly see any of the little small ones. Yeah, the independent ones all seem to be disappearing. But go. Even if you just go to Waterstones, go to the high street. Support the high street. Yes. Right, so that was a good time at the Asia House Literary Festival. Um, But we also went to the London Podcast Festival. All these festivals. Yes, indeed. And um, it's something that we really should have known about as well, Georgia V. This is the thing, like, sometimes I feel like people just don't try hard enough to make it known. Yeah, but I suppose, like, you know, to be fair... <laughs> it's their fault. <laughs> to be fair, um, you know, we started the podcast earlier this year. Yes. Uh, and this festival has been going on for the last two, three years now. Yeah. We really wouldn't even looked into it, to be fair. This well. is true. It wouldn't have been relevant to us before. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's very relevant to us now because not only do we have a podcast, we're also from London. Yes. So uh, this is very up our street. Uh-huh. But yeah, just a little bit about the festival itself. It launched in 2016 and they've had over 10,000 visitors to the festival itself. Oh, wow. And um, None of those 10,000 told us about it. Well, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, we'll come to that in a bit, actually. Um, but it was a, a great way to meet fellow podcasters, people that have been in it for a long time, as well as brand new podcasters, as well as people that just want to potentially get into it and know absolutely nothing about podcasting and some people who just love podcasts like listening to them yeah you know because that's the trend now a lot more people are finally starting to listen to podcasts and you know it's an easy enough thing to listen to in your commute home whether you're working out um whether you're sitting in front of tv don't want to watch the program your other half's watching so you just throw in a podcast put your headphones on listen to that instead we've got friends who've got babies who listen to it while they're breastfeeding yes keeps them entertained in the middle of the night when the baby's not shutting up or leaving them alone absolutely um but yeah you know it's another one of the reasons that we wanted to get into it ourselves you know because we're those kind of people you know that always on the go out and about doing things and you just want something to listen to podcasts is the one Humans have used, you know, word of mouth and story and storytelling across history. They, that's how we like to communicate and that's what we like to hear. We like to hear people's stories and we like to hear their voices. It's all very well right, reading things and I love reading things and being able to kind of use my own imagination. But when you hear it from somebody's mouth, it's kind of like they are inputting their emotion into it as well. So it's quite nice. And I think that's why podcasting is so successful. Yeah. People like to hear other people talk. Absolutely. And it gives the everyday person the chance to get their message across or their story across or, you know, to just talk about life, you know, in general. You know, and it would have given, it's a voice to the voiceless, you know. And I guess that's the one thing. It can be, you know, put together very cheaply. You know, you can literally spend nothing and put out podcasts now. And, you know, the platforms are so vast now for you to get your, you know, to get your podcast out there. And it's, you know, really, it's like, it's a, it's a no brainer. If yeah. you've got something to say, then 
put together a podcast. Yeah, you know? people like to hear relatable stories. It's not always about like it used to be. If you if you listen to the radio, Desert Island Disc, I guess, is probably the original kind of podcast format. Yeah. Um, it's great to hear about the lives of the rich and famous, or you know, people who are doing really well in their field or whatever. Yeah. But sometimes you just want to hear about you know, the stories of somebody who's ordinary, living an ordinary life and so and but they're going through something that you might be going through. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with something in life that you're dealing with. And I think it's quite nice to be able to know that other people out there, ordinary people, are doing that. Yeah. And they don't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds to get on with dealing with these things. They've, you know, got their week monthly wage. Yeah. And exactly. they're getting on with life and trying to kind of manage the best they can. Yeah. Cause it could be just like, you know, just a you know, married couple that live in London. Um, that are from an ethnic background and just want to talk about the, you know, the conflicting nature of being British and Asian and highlight a lot of things that are happening within their communities. Yeah, and bicker and banter. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally, you know, throw up a, a feminist rant as well as a amazing topic of agenda. Yeah. You know? Or have a huge strop and then just not record. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> just have really busy day to day lives and then say, yeah, we're going to put our podcast this week. And then all of a sudden the wife says, actually, no, I'm too tired. I don't want to do it. I wasn't too tired. I was ill. Yeah, we're not talking about us here, Joshua. OK, fine. Well, they could be <laughs> ill. That person could have been really ill. It's not fair. Anyway, uh, but word of, mouth, judge. word of mouth is very important. So if you enjoy our podcast. Please spread the message to all the people that you know, is yes. what we're trying to say. But anyway, at the yeah. podcast festival. Yes, exactly. Right. So this event, this particular event that we went to was talking about diversity within the podcast industry and how much of a problem is it within that industry? And if it's not, how ways that we should we can overcome it, especially in the bigger mainstream wider circle? Yes. Uh, there was a panel of experts. Yes, there was. Uh, care to share some of those, Jojo B? Yep. So um, there was our lovely friend, Reju Sharma, who we mentioned earlier on. Yeah, had a little bone to pick with Reju. We saw her the week before and she didn't even tell us about this event. I think she thought she had, though, because she was like, I'm pretty sure I did. So she might have told me and I might have just not listened to all what she said. B. Which, you know, I'm sorry. When there's loads of stuff going around, going on around me, I get distracted really easily. So it could be my fault. It could be her fault. Who knows? Right. But anyway. So Reju was there. Yep. Who else was there? There was, there was a Taser from uh, Three Shots of Tequila podcast, a very, very successful podcast. Yes, and he was talking about his experiences of being that successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there was um, Sophie from Acast, mm -hmm. who were like a podcasting hosting um, platform. platform, host. And they kind of help podcasters get in touch with brands and stuff as well so that they, they can kind of earn a bit of cash yes um and help them promote and things um and then there was david from carousel radio yes who are um a podcasting kind of independent radio for um people with learning disabilities yes exactly yes. so it covered a lot of different bases when it comes to diversity um and yeah it was a really good event a real eye-opener as well um mm -hmm. because it's the first event i think i guess that we've gone to where there's been other podcasters you know we've obviously gone to a lot of cultural events and community events but you know to really touch base with people that are in the same boat as us yeah um wanting to progress our podcast or ways in which that we can you know expose it more um there was a lot of great advice there was a lot of um people sharing their experiences um everyone starts the same way and it's about how we can build and how we can build together as well yeah. to move things forward. Um, because, you know, I'd like to think the podcast community is, is a community in itself. 
Um, support each other as much as you can especially like if you're doing something with a similar audience to another podcast like giving each other a bit of a help yeah because there was this whole thing about you know is there is there competition between podcasts and you know because like i said there's, there's crumbs and everyone's fighting for those little crumbs but you know everyone's got a different story to tell um, everyone's got a different experience you know and i think there is a voice for everyone to to put that across and unfortunately, within our communities, there's not a massive amount of Asian podcasts or British Asian podcasts. And so we have to help and support each other in order to move things forward, because, you know, these are the stories that we want to hear what's happening within our communities. And there's not enough people talking about them. And I still feel there's there is a massive amount of Asians in the UK that do listen to podcasts. Yeah. But, you know, to get them to, you know, to engage and listen to what's happening within our, their own communities is still you know it's a, still a bit of a stumbling block I feel yeah there was a there was a question from the audience from a lady who um she was an older lady and she wanted to set up a podcast that she thought that there was nothing out there for her that dealt with being an older woman and the issues of you know growing getting older and becoming an aging woman basically yeah. uh, or a more mature woman and she said that you know there doesn't seem to be anything out there for me to listen to and Sophie from ACAST said actually that's a demographic that we struggle with because they're not listening as much as well yeah so then that becomes like a chicken and egg problem Mm. where the audience isn't there so then the content won't be there but if the content isn't there then the audience won't come either yeah so you kind of go around and around in circles and I feel like that's the same thing with Asian or British Asian podcasts it's the same thing there are a few podcasters out there yeah but the audience actually hasn't latched on and I think that's why there's not an abundance of podcasters out there at the yeah. moment. But I feel that will slowly change. Yeah. Hopefully, a, if we start supporting each other a bit more. Absolutely. There's, there's a bigger picture when it comes to the British Asian community and support as such. Uh, but that's a context for a whole another show, basically. Yeah. Because, um, you know, that's something that we spoke about previously when it comes to music and film, etc. Um, but I think also when it comes to the podcast world, it can the, the logic can apply exactly the same way. Um, but this was a great event. You know, I'm sorry that we didn't get a chance to go to more events within the festival itself. Yeah, there that, was some really interesting stuff happening. And I think next year we definitely have to check out more. Yeah, more events. Yeah. You know, this is a learning curve for us. It's an ever learning curve, I guess, for us. You know, we're constantly learning. We're still trying to find ways to improve the podcast. We're still trying to find ways in which we can, you know, interact more with our listenership. Yes. You know, times of the day when we put it out, you know, but obviously it needs the help of our listeners as well at the same time. You know, let us know what we can do, ways that we can improve it. Give us feedback. You know, if there's things that you haven't heard or you'd like to hear on one of our podcasts, let us know. You Engage know. with us. We're always open to having conversations you know whether that's over twitter or via our email address or however you want to get in touch with us get in touch with us yeah you know please don't come and stand outside our home yeah because <laughs> that would be a little not. bit scary yeah but you know otherwise just get in touch get start the chat start the chat exactly you know and talk uh, to each other as well yes talk to each other about you know things that are happening even on our show you know, whether things that you agree or disagree with. And we'll always differ. There will always be different opinions. Yeah. We, me and you have different opinions. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, me and our listeners will also have different opinions on things. But we want to hear that. We're not we're not here to kind of say our opinion is the right way forward mm. and this is how you should think. Yeah. We just like to give our point of view on a subject matter. Yes, exactly. Um, 
So yeah, it was a it was a great way to learn more about podcasting. And there's definitely a few things that we're going to implement in our shows going forward. Yeah, there's some really interesting discussions about mainstream media and broadcasting and the lack of diversity there. Yes. And actually how podcasting can is is starting to kind of um, balance that out because we're taking matters into our own hands. Yeah. And we're trying to be representative ourselves. We're trying to kind of create that representation yeah um and that was really interesting to hear from carousel radio from um from david who was talking about the lack of anything out there for people with disabilities whether that's learning disabilities or mental health issues or physical disabilities yeah. there's very little out there and the question was posed well why do you think that is and it comes back to that age-old well because everything's run by middle-aged white men who yeah. will only talk about what they're comfortable with yeah, and if it exactly. seems if it seems like it won't make money or if it seems like a subject that they're not like familiar or comfortable with yeah they will shy away from that yeah exactly and so we have to make the demand known but at the same time i think the thing that i got from that the most from the event itself was something that was said right at the end uh, when they were had the q and a round between you know the audience and the, the panel themselves that the main, the bigger mainstream media are a little bit intimidated and a little bit scared with what's happening in the podcast industry, in the podcast world. You know, less and yeah. less people are, are streaming, you know, like shows, radio shows, you know, even TV. Everyone's moving over to like Netflix and Amazon Prime. You know, the, the technology and the, the, the world itself is changing and the mainstream media are slightly taken aback about how quickly it's progressing and the level of volume of the content that's coming out as well at the same time. So, you know, they were talking to Taser about, you know, did you want to potentially get into, you know, mainstream radio or TV and things like that? And he was like, no, because, you know, there's no filters on our show. You know, we're never held back by any person that's yeah. a creative control or, or trying to, you know, stop you from saying certain things or yeah. there's some kind of, you know, restriction. There is no restrictions on our show. And that's the reason it's so popular. And I think the same goes for our show. We, know, we have no filters on our show and we speak about things that are so taboo that you won't hear about on everyday mainstream radio. And I think that's the one great thing about our show. And so, you know, it's, it is the way forward. It is the process way forward because not only do we educate people on a lot of things that we speak about on this, but we're ourselves. And I think the umbrella of a massive mainstream, you know, machine behind you yeah. could inhibit that. Yeah, yeah, it's about staying authentic. And I think the problem is that people are switching off from these mainstream broadcasters because they've homogenized everything. Yeah. If you listen to radio, you'll hear the same songs across all of the radio stations. Yeah. You know, everything is homogenized. They're, all of those specialist shows that we used to listen to back in the day, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. You know, they don't exist. If they do exist, they're few and far between and they're on at like two o'clock in the morning yeah, exactly. when you're asleep. So um, the, what podcasting has done has been... Has, has brought back that individuality yes and allowed people to find a different tribe yeah exactly and yeah. that's you know that's always been something that's been rife within cult and popular cultures that there's been tribes mm -hmm. and actually now i think there's less and less of that everything is very homogenized and people are starting to get sick of it yeah they bought yeah. into it for a little while and then they just thought actually fuck this shit yeah we want to hear somebody who represents us yeah. or what i'm interested in whether that's through your race or your identity or just the stuff that you're interested in if you're interested in like you know world of warcraft there's yeah. a podcast or a million about them Absolutely, out there yeah, exactly that's, that's your community that's your tribe and that's what you're going to go and you know find out and want to listen to yeah 
he listened to lo- loads of wrestling podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and and like that's your thing. And I've listened to you know quite a few like feminist kind of podcasts mm-hmm. and just the the perspective of women in the world and ki- and that kind of stuff. We find our tribes and we and the things that we're interested and passionate about, and we can find people talking about that. Yeah, and I think that has. It's never really existed anyway in mainstream broadcasting no. because it has to the you know because the, the essential nature of being mainstream is that it stays general. Yeah. But it's got even more and more generalized. It's got yeah. very very kind of what's the word? Gray, boring, beige. Yeah, beige, beige indeed. You know, yeah. and people don't want to be beige anymore. They want to bring some color back. And I think podcasting allows you to do that. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's the reason for our podcast itself, you know, it's to give another way of thinking, you know, a different thought process, a different belief and, you know, challenge all the the stereotypes that come with it, yeah. you know. Wear a splash of bright pink paint on a beige wall. Indeed. Fight the power, fuck the man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a great festival. Make sure you check it out for next year. Um, and also the Asia House Literary Festival, which will be back, uh, which is still going on till November, yes. actually. So a few more uh, shows and events are happening during that festival. Um, but definitely go support those when they're back in 2019 as well. And just find out what else is going on. Like, go out there. But this is what we haven't done over the last few months and which we'll have and to start doing. we will doing. do. Yeah. Exactly. We have to start going to our, the cultural events in our local area. So if you've got stuff going on. Let us know about it as well. Yeah. You know, because you might even even see the native immigrants there and if we are say hello because we don't bite well i don't anyway neither do i well you know we talk about one last thing yes you can jojo so yes last night mm-hmm. we binge watched <laughs> yeah we did we binge watched because we finally decided to get in on the hype yeah of bodyguard yes we did and not that salman khan version <laughs> That uh, most of the listeners would be like, oh, that film is a lovely film, Salman Khan. Not that one. No. No, this is the BBC series that literally everyone is talking about, except us. <laughs> because we were just like, eh, you know, we'll get around to it, get around to it. But it just came to a fever pitch. My Twitter was flooded this whole week with people talking about Bodyguard. Yeah. like, And, and it covered all, like, all my followers, like from mainstream rappers in the UK mm-hmm. to like you know, thought-minded, creative, scientific types. Right. You know, it covered the full spectrum. Everybody was talking about this show. And so it, it came to a point where there was only so long that we could hold out. And last night, you know, we thought, should we just give it a go? See, yeah. what, see what the fuss is all about. Yeah, because it's a running theme of this show Yeah. today is that we're just late to the party. Late to the party, exactly. <laughs> and we finally showed up to the party. We did indeed. And we watched four episodes back to back. Yes, of Bodyguard, mm-hmm. and it was fucking amazing. It is so good. <laughs> it was some of the most gripping TV I've seen in a long, long time. You know, because, you know, like I said, most of the f- programs that we watch are pretty much Netflix or Amazon Prime based yep. these days, Judge B. And I think that goes the same with a lot of people in our age group. Um, you know, less and less people are watching mainstream terrestrial TV. We all love a binge watch. Yeah, we all love a binge watch. We all want content straight away. Who wants to wait till next week to find out what happened? Exactly. But we forget that that's how most of our lives were for the first like 25 to 30 years yeah, of it. exactly. To be fair, I am one of those people that likes to wait till next week to find out what happened because I love a bit of tension. But the thing is, I've seen now because I'm so accustomed to getting things right now all the time. That's the problem with our society as a whole. Yeah, we're impatient 
impatient. <laughs> you know, there is no patience involved nowadays when it comes to television. And so, you know, that old school having to wait a week to another program is, you know, pretty much gone unless they provide amazing content on TV. And now we're seeing more and more of that, yep. you know, because um, BBC have had some great dramas in recent years. Um, Peaky Blinders, I think for me, is the highlight of that. Oh, I watched that from the very start. Yeah. But again, great production provided by the British Broadcasting Corporation. And this yes. show is definitely, well, from, it's four episodes in. So we've got to give it, like, if it does go on for more than one series, we'll be able to, you know, to compare it to some of the other big shows that have been out at the same time. But four shows in, this stuff's pretty fucking sick. Yep. It'll be five shows in by the time we put this out. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But, so we can't give anything away. We can't talk about it, basically. If you haven't already watched it watch it honestly do go watch it and um, then then come and talk to us about it because we, we want to get in this discussion now yeah we want to yeah we, we're part of the equation now so we want to discuss you know the ideas and some of the things that happen on the show with our listeners um you know let us know what you think of it and stuff because there's so many theories and queries that we have regarding it and, and it does cover an issue that's been a bugbear of ours of the you know asians or terrorists yes but is there like plot twists going on? Who knows? I don't know what's going on. So we need to find out. And we yeah. need to, you have to watch it to know. Yeah, because for me. Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? Four episodes in, Jojo B. Maru matu pati Literally, last night we were like, mind blown. Yeah, mind blasted. It's literally <laughs> blasting the mind. Um, but yes, body, Bodyguard, do get into it. Um, because it is an awesome show um, from you know the mouths of the native immigrants, and if that's not a recommendation enough, then I don't know what is. Exactly, they should have that, you know, on the poster. Yeah, so you know they have like <laughs> Empire five stars, yeah, Guardian five stars, mind blasting native immigrants podcast. <laughs> you know, we should have our. Own. I love it. It's got Rob Stark in it. It has indeed the King of the North. Yeah, you know, uh, Game of Thrones reference right there. Yeah. And uh, Keely Hawes is in it as well. She's brilliant. She's very, very good in it. Um, but we're not going to tell you too much about it because, you know, you should watch it for yourself. And then once you've, once you've finished watching the episodes, message us. Tell us what you think. And then just like, so we can share the craziness of this show. The excitement, yeah. Finally, finally, finally at the party. Yeah, finally <laughs> at the party. We turned up. Uninvited, we turned up without any gifts. Like true Asians. <laughs> Right. Well, that's another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. You know, we said last week, you know, would, would you like us to be weekly or would you like us to be fortnightly? The handful of people that go back to us said they all wanted it weekly. And so, and you, know, you know what? Fuck it. We are going to do it weekly because we're, even if we're chatting shit, we can just talk to you. Yeah. Do you know, know what? This is what I learned yesterday at that, at that podcast thing. Do what you want. Be authentic. Say what you want. So that's yeah, what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. You know, and this is a long show so far. And again, you know, we it was people told us at the start, keep your show to like an hour long, because I think anything longer than an hour, people just switch off. Fuck that, you know. Three Shots of Tequila, their Christmas show was four hours long. And people listened in on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day and Boxing Day, the whole show, you know, yeah. because they love the content. And the people that listen to our show that come back to me saying, we love your content, we wish your show was longer. Well, this show is long. And so I hope you listen to all of it. And if it isn't, and people switch off after after halfway, well, yeah. We don't care. And also get a better attention span. <laughs> exactly. Asians have no attention. Well, go grab one. Two for one. Before we insult all of our listeners. Yeah, we, we love, love you, you really. all. We love you. We love you. Mm -hmm.
Listen to us. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of another week of the Native Immigrants Podcast. We will be back next week for more. So we'll catch you all again next week then, people. Peace. See ya.